And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 86 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, July 6th, 2015. Well, folks, I have one word for you. America. Yep, this weekend was the 4th of July, Independence Day here in America, and it was a red, white, and blue barbecue festivus extravaganza of rock and roll party all rolled into one. First, you had the U.S. women's soccer team showing the largest dominating force over Germany and then Japan winning the World Cup. America. The Grateful Dead called it a career, not fading away with three big Bertha amazing shows in Chicago and left us to keep on trucking into the future. America. Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher got married. All right, that's kind of America. Misty Copeland was named the American Ballet Theater's first African-American email principal. Well, that's the uh, new America. And the Daytona 500 was won by Dale Earnhardt Jr., and a spectacular crash on the very last lap ended up with no one being seriously hurt. Yeah, America. And last but not least, the America presidential race had its unofficial kickoff in New Hampshire, where at least 14 Republican candidates and the handful of Democratic candidates kissed babies, shook hands, and all had to somehow react to the ridiculousness that is Donald Trump. Sigh. Annoying America. So, okay, we here at PNR will be your sons of liberty and bring you the red, white, and blue of content marketing goodness. We'll be your Yankee Doodle Dandy of native advertising, like the Thomas Jefferson rewrite of a Ben Franklin Declaration of Independence will rant and rave like the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. So let's fire the first shots of this revolution, and for that, it's time for me to bring in my co-host, my colleague, my good, good friend, and the founding father of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Wow, I feel awfully patriotic after that. I feel like singing the Star Spangled Banner go. or something to that nature. You know, to go along with our whole America theme, did you hear our uh, our closing keynote for content marketing? I right? have not heard. What? Who, who is it? Who we, could it be? We, it is. I know. I, it, I just am so excited. <laughs> it's uh, Mr. Ron Swanson himself. That Mr. Nick fantastic. Offerman will be our closing keynote yeah very very excited to you know it's interesting we've got john cleese on one end we've got nick offerman on the other we got a marriott starbucks sandwich in between we should have a really good time at uh at, it is at i mean the lineup just keeps getting better and better and better i mean it is going to be an epic show an epic show it could be our best lineup ever it, dare i say it could be it, it could be it, did you have a good uh fourth of i july? did have a good fourth of july i had a very relaxing fourth of july just hanging out here at the house and not doing a whole heck of a lot um i know you 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 had the opposite of that <laughs> We yes, I just have to say I have magnificent friends yeah. that just love to get together for party, and, and I love them. For Is that, that what the kids call it these days? Do. Getting together, we just got together. We just it was just happy. You got together with eighty proof is what you got together with. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, I will. I will say this on the air, but I'm only going to say it once. The drink we were drinking was called Skip and Go Naked. Nice. <laughs> That's all I can say. Just to, to keep our, you know, iTunes rating intact, yeah. I can only say it one time. And did the drink so. have its intended effect? There were people sleeping. I see. I'll tell you that. I see. So it, it was, was the like opposite of its there. intended effect. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like 5 o'clock, and, and uh, there were people that just had it. But that's when you get together at 9 o'clock in the morning. Very nice. Like oh, that well, way. that's what but it yeah, was. But it was super fun. Kids had a great time. I, my favorite part is actually watching, like, 30 kids in the pool at the same time. That's, that's awesome. Just, I just, they're just having a great time. They all get along. Fantastic. That's fantastic. So, All right. And did we did we have like news? Oh wait, no. You, well, you know, here's so yeah. Announce. So here's an interesting thing on Friday. So I don't know if, for those of you who tuned in last week, um, I announced that for the last twenty or so episodes, uh, I have been putting a small Easter egg into uh into the show and I challenged the audience to find the Easter egg. Well it took all of about eight hours. For someone to tweet me, Nick Ellinger, who's the vice president of strategic outreach for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, by the way, which is uh, uh, a wonderful, wonderful organization. At it Nick is, Ellinger yes. is his Twitter handle, if you'd like to follow Nick. Um, and hi, Nick. Um, he His tweet was wonderful. He basically said, yeah, I was wondering when someone was going to finally mention all those Firefly quotes. And so for those of you who were trying to figure this out and couldn't, 
at the end of every show for the last 20 episodes, I've been saying, tune in next week when we're going to hear Joe say, and then I would say something, and all of those were quotes that came from Firefly, um, which is one of my favorite series television shows of all all time for geeking out and so um and so nick called it immediately and so he gets two copies uh well a copy each of of both joe and my book uh managing content marketing and of course my newest book with carla johnson experiences the seventh era of marketing and those were shipped off to him and he should receive them this week fantastic yeah and i didn't i didn't get it i didn't even know you were doing anything until a couple weeks ago and i said oh that's nice yeah and i may or may not be doing something from the next episodes on maybe we don't just don't know well just just don't know wait also quick shout outs to a bunch of folks the that you know all of you who are sending uh show ideas um into the hashtag just thank you so much for that so shout outs to hunter clary uh robert catal Michelle Nicolaison, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, Alana Fisher, uh, Shannon Doubleday, and Soraya Narayan um, for their ideas, um, <laughs> none of which we used this week, but all of them were amazing ideas. They were just really, really wonderful. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, keep them coming, folks, because they're just really, really appreciated. And so I just wanted to give I'm a shout out. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think our listeners are the best of all other podcasts. Yes. I think ours are the best. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I don't know that there was ever any question. There's nothing wrong with other listeners of other podcasts, but ours are clearly the best. No, I think there are things wrong with listeners of other podcasts, (laughs) quite frankly. I think, think, yeah. (laughs) Well, there we are six minutes in, and we're already going to get into trouble. Maybe we should move on to the news. We're going to get hate tweets because (laughs) we started so late. Our first uh, news item, our top news story this week, comes to us courtesy of Al Jazeera. There's something you're not going to hear very often. Um, The headline here, and a bunch of news organizations covered this story, and so we'll talk a little bit about that because it does have some relevance to that. The headline is CNN to broadcast corporate propaganda as news. Um, Hat tip here to Angela Hirsch, who uh, sent us this news story in um, into the email address, actually. And so this, I'm going to read the the lead here, and it's really from the Wall Street Journal because this is the the Al Jazeera version is much different. Um, but basically, CNN, um, like many other publishing and media companies, are dun 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 like we covered last week, is creating an in-house studio that's going to produce news-like content on behalf of advertisers. And there we go. So they have started this new in-house studio that they're calling Courageous, um, interesting name, and it's going to include about a half dozen staffers made up of journalists, film makers and designers who are going to launch this new unit and basically help to create and distribute branded content across CNN's fleet of properties from TV to the web and newer platforms like where they are on Snapchat. Um, and so the interesting thing to me, Joe, and then I definitely want to get your take here, is is how all of the different news organizations covered this story. Mm-hmm. Because when I started to go out and look, I went, you know, because the, the Al Jazeera headline here was basically CNN creates unit to, you know, to further corporate propaganda – um, the Wall Street Journal's headline was New Unit to Produce Content for Advertisers. Then YourNewsWire.com said CNN launches fake news unit to push corporate agenda. Media Post, which we cover a lot of their stories, said CNN's charting a new path of newsworthy branded content. And Al Jazeera, of course, as I mentioned, said CNN will start broadcasting corporate propaganda as news. And so anybody who says that there's not sort of a <laughs> – to grind here is kind of fooling themselves in the different ways that this is getting covered. Um, what, what did you think about this whole thing? Man, it's so interesting. The, first of all, when you look at the venerable brands, so the, the, the news organizations that have been around, whether it's television or print, they get really knocked on much harder. Right. Because <laughs> obviously when New York Times launched this, Washington Post, it was, it was always like, oh, there goes journalism. Um, but this is the... This is the most interesting take I think we've had, and I don't know what it, it – maybe it's just because of television. But I I don't honestly get it. I mean, you're more the television historian than I am, but even going back to uh, – what is it called? Texaco Star Theater? Sure. I mean, if you go – I mean, that that was all – That's it was all funded by corporations. It's all funded. It's just whether it's advertising or – and I, I really think this is a positioning problem. I mean, I don't know about you, but what if they would have came out like an NPR does and said, you know, these are really important news topics that we would like to cover, but because we we have to put our money somewhere and resources somewhere, we're going to only cover these. We need these other ones underwritten. 
And so we're going to start a new unit to help get this type of information covered, and we're going out to brands to help us cover that. Wouldn't that be a little better way to do I it? I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the the interesting thing to me here about television is that this is, in my view, when you've got, I mean, and you can argue a little bit about this on the news, but this has been something that has happened in television, and specifically, let's call it journalistic focused television. Now, I'm not even going to say sort of yeah. news, but you know, sort of the everything from the evening news to entertainment tonight, sort of everything, you know, sort of live topical daily updates of what's going on in everything from the world to pop culture. And so draw your line of journalism wherever you might on that spectrum. But this has been going on forever because if you look at everything from and I actually use this example in the book where I talk about, look, the, the idea of an author or an actor going on a show and doing some wonderful interview on The Tonight Show or Jimmy Kimmel or, you know, whatever the, the show is or the, the Daily Show or a news a Sunday morning show, you know, that covers news and politics. And those authors, they're not going there because they want to have a fruitful discussion about politics. They're going there because they're pimping their book. That is content marketing or native advertising, if you want, in its fullest form. When you watch Entertainment Tonight or you watch one of those shows that cover the entertainment business and they go, hey, look, the coolest new dresses for summer. And they have a whole segment where models come out and spin around in dresses. They, they're, those, those companies are paying for that. That's not – they didn't just decide to do that. So this idea that there's suddenly an impurity – in the water called brand into the idea of whatever news and topical shows that are out there is just, it's not, it's not true. And so what is new and to your point is the idea that the news organization can actually create a unit to create it for themselves and to Mm -hmm. actually offer it up as a service. And so that they're not depending on the brand to actually give them content, but to actually produce and create it themselves so that they can actually maintain some level of control over it. That's right. It's not the placement because the placement has been happening. And I even think about radio, right? I mean, it goes on all the time in radio. So the, the specific thing that's different here is that CNN is saying we can create the content for advertisers and do a pretty good job of it and place it. Right. It's already being placed. You see the infomercials. You go on late at night. You'll see infomercials. You'll see this kind of stuff. So it it almost seems – but the article goes into – it's harder. It's almost like the tweet stream or the social media stream. It goes into the fact that how do people know if they tune, tune into it, whether or not it's sponsored, in quotes, content. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, as a as I've said many times on this show, as a marketer, don't care, right? As yeah. as a marketer, my takeaway is, you know what? If I'm going to take my opportunities as I get them, and I'm going to be authentic, and I'm going to have a certain level of ethics about the way that I market and and tell my story and get it out there. And if it works for me, if you're going to let me do it as a publication, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm thinking about. There's a there's a it's funny my wife and I have this sort of running joke. I, this is not going to be funny for anybody who's outside the Southern California area, but there's a show. It's a it's four and a half minute show that runs every single morning on the morning news, and it's this solar energy guy who's out there standing on the stage and he's sort of giving a presentation about how solar energy is the future. And he talks about how owning solar panels is really the way. You shouldn't lease them. You shouldn't borrow them. You shouldn't get them um, rented. You should actually buy the solar panels. And then at the end, of course, it comes up the sponsor of this little four-minute show is this guy who does this, right? And he sells solar panels. You don't know that going in, but it's at the very end. He says, hey, we're, you know, this is what we do. And so to me, it's really clear even from the get-go that this is an ad. I mean, the guy's not that professional, and it's not that professionally shot, but it's fine. But it's so clearly an ad that at the end you get to it. But that's what we're talking about here, really. Is But should the news program actually take the production of that thing over and turn it into something that's more slick? And then where do they actually add the tags to make this thing identify itself as, an, as, an, as a paid-for sponsored you know, piece of content? Yeah, it's like I you know you totally get it, right? I mean, there's certain areas like let's say that CNN was going to do a story on fracking that was underwritten by right. <laughs> energy companies, exactly. let's say. Yeah, I mean, I totally get that, 
Uh, but there's a lot of different ways that they can cover that, that they can or show they can that. Just pro- they yeah, not- or they can just produce a show, the Anthony Bourdain show, right? So they could say, hey, listen, you know, this week's episode of Anthony Bourdain is going to be sponsored by or created by, you know uh, – I don't know. I'm thinking of some food company, but I'm and I'm blanking. But you know, you know, Swiffer to bring your either Anthony Bourdain always bring, always, always got to bring Swiffer it back pads. to Swiffer. Swiffer, Anthony Bourdain brings you the Swiffer Chronicles in India, right? So he's going to take a Swiffer across India, and you know, and and I don't know what, but that that would be would that be okay? I think it would be right. I I think it's I think most of this is okay. I don't have a problem right. with any of it. I'm surprised by Al Jazeera's commentary around it and how they had the clickbait headline saying that this was so bad. Now I don't know I don't know how it was presented by CNN. There's two things that I would if I was consulting with CNN, this is what I would do. First of all, what's with the name? Yeah, Courageous? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're setting yourself yeah, up for a lot of. I mean, that's of, that's uh, just like, oh, hey, or let me paint a large target on my back. We, yeah, we are create courageous for doing this. Uh, the second thing is, is I would, I would look at it as look, there are a lot of really valuable news stories out there that we simply can't cover, and, and NPR has been doing this for a long time. I don't see why you can't take that angle to it. Now that means that you'd have to go at that news story and maybe say, look, you're going to underwrite it, but you don't get any editorial control. They could go that direction. Sure. Could absolutely. It's just news that needs to be out there that we do a really good job of, of uh, communicating the news and news stories, but you know, we're not going to pay attention to this, but you want us, you want to pay for this? Sure. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? All right. Shall we move on? I think we should. Okay. All right. Let's well, the next story we have is a really, really fun one. Um, this comes uh, courtesy uh, of a blog, I guess. It's called Schweiky. Schweiky, Schweiky Media. Schweiky yes, Media. Our friends at Schweiky okay, Media. Great. I know them very um, well. I yeah. do not. So this was my okay. introduction to Schweiky. Um, and it features a webinar and an article um, that uh, features friends of the show, for sure, Andrew Davis. Um, and he opens this up by saying, the future of digital is print. And I knew this would get your little heart a pitter-pattering. Um, <laughs> which is, he starts by saying, as a guy who's all about digital marketing, why is he talking about print? Well, it's simple. Print is one of the most misunderstood and missed opportunities in the digital world. Today, we learn about these opportunities to leverage print as a healthy piece of one media marketing mix as Schweiky Media Printing Company teams up with Andrew Davis to talk about this. And so... Interesting. I, I I had to read. It was a very long article. Very, I mean, very thorough. Very sort of going through all these different points, building this argument about the information overload and the quality of qu- versus quantity and all of that. And really, the point of the whole article is talking about how digital content is being used to elevate the content for print. And so, I mean, what did you think? Is that I mean, am I getting that right, Joe? Is that is that really well, the, the <clears throat> idea here? The- there's a, there are a couple things. Uh, first of all, if you know the backstory to this, it's more interesting because this oh, is years okay. ago. Oh, I don't know how oh, many. Dear. Let's just say oh, now we're going to get the backstory. All right, yeah, now. you're going to get the backstory. Settle in, folks. This is this is why people smoke them if you to got them. You're about to get the backstory. The, well, this is I don't know how many years ago. Let's just say it was eight or nine years ago that Andrew was he basically was given a job. He was hired by a few organizations to show value of the print, and he's an all digital guy. He's never been a print guy at all. And he started to do research, like really high-quality research, uh, qualitative and quantitative, looking at the effect of brands and their use of print versus those that just use digital only. And he is going in there. He's already ready to say print is dead. He wants to. He's been saying it forever. Print is dead. Print is dead. He goes. He talks to all these companies. He does the research, and he finds out, oh, my gosh, those those companies, those media companies and brands that use print as a communi- as a major communication medium were head and shoulders above everyone else just using digital. Wow. And it wasn't even close he was talking about. And that's how he got – basically, he says, I didn't want to believe this. I absolutely didn't. But then I found out and I looked at the data and the data didn't lie. And, of course, we see that in examples like TD Ameritrade that we've talked about sure, here yeah. and Kraft Foods. But he – so anyway, <clears throat> what I liked specifically about this article that I think is worthwhile – for people to take into consideration for themselves is the fact that what he's seeing is this opportunity where you have the your best digital content and then you use print to elevate right. that. And Which I love that, that idea. Over, I love that idea. 
And he and he basically talks about it. He basically says, "Look, our digital content, for the most part, outside of search, is very short lived." And so what he says is, "You've got the data to know how engagement works with your digital content. Uh, what what's worked better, what's worked not so well, and then take the really good pieces of information and then retarget that content in a print format to your customers and prospects." I just love the kind. It's a really simple concept. It's not like, oh, I can't get my arms around that. How do I do that? Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's actually pretty easy. This is the interesting thing that I thought was. Did you read that part about all the the fifteen? I couldn't believe this. The fifteen billion dollar industry yeah, exactly of re, exactly. of basically remarketing digital images. So this is just blows me away. So there's there's a so Instagram. Uh, you know, as of April 2012, so it hits the billion photo mark. Now we've had all these spinoffs of Instagram called Pins- Pinstagram, I guess. Yeah. Canvas Pop. Right. So what people are doing is they're taking their images. And, of course, we've seen, all, you know, there's a lot of hubbub going on about people taking people's Instagram photos. And, and making money out of it, yeah. So, oh, making yeah. money. Well, basically, this is a big industry. It's it's a $2 billion industry right now, and uh, InfoTrend predicts this to be a $15 billion industry by 2017. Not really relevant to what we're talking about, but it's fascinating to me that there's a whole new industry out there of taking the best of digital and turning it into a print form. But it's weird, right? Because you feel like, I mean, we I mean, you know, just even on the the last thing we were talking about which is, you know, the sort of ethics of this native advertising and journalism and so now we're almost going back the other way and saying what are the ethics here of I mean, and I know this is off topic from what the article is talking about, but I'm it's a question I actually have in my mind which is should we or should it be allowed to make money off of other people's Instagram feeds, right? Should I be able to – there's – I think one of the stories that, are, that is often linked to is this artist who has just taken Instagram photos, made large prints of them, and is making yep, thousands of dollars. That's the one I was thinking yeah, about. And, and, and I completely – no, I, I think that's <clears throat> against the law. I think is it though? Breaking, I mean I don't know. Yes. Is it? Yes. It, by, by the terms of – well, from what I know, so somebody correct me that's listening to this. From what I know, that is against the terms because that is your product, your work product. If you're taking the picture, you're giving Instagram license to syndicate right. that content, but you're not giving anyone other, anyone else license to profit from. That. But as I understand, he what they're claiming is, and this is not you know this is not PNR's legal today or anything. But but so so we we are we are way off on a tangent. Yeah, consult here, your right? consult yeah, your attorney. Basically, your mileage one. may vary here, folks. So, but the way I understand it is, if you make enough of a modification to it. A la, you know, what basically what, you know, Andy Warhol did to the Campbell soup can, you can call it art. And so it's, it gets into this weird, murky area of the law where I can take somebody's Instagram, print it on a canvas, make it, you know, do a, a tone of clear acrylic over it, and I've called that modified. And now all of a sudden I've modified it enough that I've now made that a piece of art. Um, yeah, I, I see that. And actually, we probably should consult our creative director, creative director Joseph Kalinowski, as well as our attorney. We need to go to that person <laughs> as well and talk about this. But from what right. I know, even if you take, let's say you take something from Shutterstock or Big Stock Images or whatever, if you're using those pieces parts, you still have to get the rights, even if you're going to modify that. Now, I don't know if you consider it art. Like, I don't know in the art industry what you can do. So, yeah, anyways. anyway, anyway, but the point of the article coming back around to the point of the article, what I really loved about this was, you know, one of the things that I have I have found is, you know, is how precious still the I, the the printed word, the printed page is. And, you know, I mean, even to this day, like when you get your you know, when you get your picture in the paper, you know, if, it, if it's one of those things where. If you get it online, it's kind of cool. But if you get your picture in the paper and it's actually on print and appears on your doorstep, that's the stuff you call mom about, right? And the the, the preciousness that we put onto print is such a wonderful, permanent thing. And I love this idea of taking that at least human sort of interpretation of print into our marketing strategy where you look at the digital content we're producing is – ever more ephemeral it lives very short live and and moving that and elevating the best of it to something that works in print is such a wonderful wonderful way to treat our content as something that's more is more strategic and more precious 
Well, just this is just this is my take. So this is my opinion based on the sixty or seventy projects that I just judged for the Content Marketing Awards, right? And a lot yeah. of these okay. were print. Yeah. So the, these print components, by the way, they were amazing. Amazing. I know. I components. saw some of them. They were just and you saw un- some yeah. of them as yeah. well. Brilliant. The, these are from these are from the mo- the most innovative organizations on the planet. That, and I look at them, and you really can see that. I mean, in what they're doing, their business models, even if you look at what Airbnb is doing and Uber, for whatever you think about those organizations, they're, de- they're definitely innovative. Right. And they're launching print publications. Uh, you know, obviously, Red Bull just put theirs into uh, newsstands. Yep. Uh, recently, we talked about that on the show. So it's just interesting to me that when, because I remember this is, oh, shoot, oh three oh four. Um, and we were doing at Pet and Custom Media at the time. We were doing mostly print custom magazines, and we had a number of clients that were moving away from print custom, and they were going to digital. And it crushed them. I mean, they were back two years later <laughs> right. because they're like, "Well, nobody, you know, because the big nobody portion likes of this, print anymore." Well, Joe, the the big portion of this is distribution, yeah, and we've and we've talked about this a lot on the show, and I think we're going to talk about it in a little bit as well. Just this whole, if we look at content creation is one part distribution is more critical than ever and that's what you have with print that's built into the model you are absolutely have this opportunity to dis- distribute this to a known address most likely your customer yep, address that's right or let's say you have dis- dis- if you have distributors you could those outlets stores to those outlets that's something that you cannot downplay and it's you can't that's something you can't do in digital in the form that we think of right now yeah now maybe in 10 years it's not going to matter maybe they're going to create something that you can Im- immediately you walk into a store you go home and hey there's my issue and this, and I can feel it and touch it, and experience it that way. But I think that experience of print is still and and so basically back to Drew's article. I love. I, have we even talked? About <laughs> yeah, right. Nothing in this article. Say. We're not talking about anything in this article. Drew, who? Andrew, who? Other stuff. Who, who the heck is that? <laughs> but I love the idea of this, and he calls it elevate or yeah. elevation. Yeah, where you take the best of digital content, repackage that. And you send it out to your your customer base, and I just think it's something that we all need to consider because it's it's almost silly not to, yeah. in my opinion. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing. All right, moving on to our next story here. This comes to us courtesy of Digiday, um, and hat tip to Scott Monty, by the way, for for uh, surfacing this article for us. The headline is: The New York Times finds new subscribers on Facebook. Huh, I'm shocked. I do declare there may be a revolution in the air. Facebook is useful. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, the the lead of this story is that publishers have got a lot of tools to bring readers back to their site, but often those visitors amount to little more than a drive-by traffic, especially if they come from social media. Publishers need that traffic to work harder, especially if they're like the New York Times, where subscriptions account for more than half of its revenues. To drive subscriptions, the Times, like other publishers, have been shifting from direct response approaches to softer sells, like buying traffic on social media, like many, many of us have, um, content recommendation engines like many of us have and now it seems to be finding success in targeting audiences on facebook and getting them not to just visit the site but to subscribe as well um and so this i totally want to get your take on this joe because this to me felt a little bit like a love letter to a startup called kiwi um, which is using natural language analysis to find keywords and articles and then sort of surfacing them into uh uh, potential uh, into Facebook channels, but um, I don't know. What did you think? Did, did you did you find this a little a, li- a little native was, in its approach? <laughs> I was actually looking for the sponsored content. Yeah. I swear, I was looking for it, and and nothing against no, it. the it's, no, really it's, I mean, good for them but, for getting the earned media of and of I like and, and we we both yeah. we love the folks yeah, at today absolutely. I mean, they, we like that, but um, yeah, yeah, there was there was no other uh, vendors re- recommend. But what I love about this article is I think all brands listening to this article and do this because what I love about this is the idea of the subscription funnel. And they talk about so so generally what what most brands do is they'll use Facebook to get into whatever let's say it's a piece of content. I'm going to put a right. piece of content on Facebook. I'm going to get that person to click on that. They're going to go to my site and we're going to get them into some kind of buyer's funnel, right? That's not what the New York Times does. They're really looking at the subscriber funnel. And I love that. 
And I think oh, I think every yep. company, every innovative, let's go back to innovative. Right. Every innovative company exactly. is doing is going to do this or is doing this right now. Where you get them onto your site, they're, they don't know if they're ready to buy. They don't, they don't even know about your product and service necessarily, but they like your content, like your content enough to engage with it. They like this type of content. You now have the statistics on it, and that's what the whole Kiwi thing is, kind of help you just uh, figure out. Oh, your content is targeted to these certain keywords. We're going to do this deep dive, figure out which what works target those keywords specifically on Facebook and send that traffic you know to those people and then clicking on that back to your site wonderful what, works but but know, I love that then they send and then the Times is talking specifically about the subscriber funnel and I wish more brands would do that I think that's where it's at well and and doesn't you know uh, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen Gary V talk but um, Gary Vaynerchuk um, and he talks Last time I saw him speak, he speaks exactly to this idea, and we may have that's even talked jab, about no, this that's on the, the show. That's the jab, jab. I mean, that's the jab, 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 right hook. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's like, keep jabbing. That's all the great content, and then when they're ready, then you hit them with the right hook. Well, no, he talks about this, but and it is it is part of that talk. But he talks specifically about this idea where he took an article and he he wrote the blog post called. And and I'm going to get this wrong, so forgive me. But but ostensibly, it's the the title is the top five wines that graduates from Princeton, New Jersey drink. Yeah. And he's like, now that sounds insanely specific. He said, so I write that blog post, and he said, but then I go to Facebook and I target the promotion of that post to graduates of Princeton who live in New Jersey who drink wine. <laughs> And he said, and I drive subscriptions with and that. And it converts amazingly well. And it converts amazingly yeah. well. And so it, it's a really interesting idea, which is taking this idea of paid promotion to a new level, but using a content funnel or a subscription funnel instead of trying to move them right into a buy cycle. It's a really I, – I, I think it's exactly what he's talking about. Now, I think what – this Kiwi thing does is, is kind of automate that process. I don't know enough. About I, that yeah, that's what it sounds like. And I don't know. I mean, yeah. somebody can uh, educate us on it, but from what I'm reading, that's exactly what. So it, it'll, <laughs> yeah. you realize, of course, we've just opened up the floodgates there. I think we did that in episode <laughs> one, if, actually. So it's this too. We can't close the doors to this now. No, it scans, it scans each of the articles from the New York Times. So they say they, they scan 50 to 100 articles a month. They pull out the relevant terms and, and then, then they, they buy target traffic it. around yeah. those terms. Yeah, and then they target it to those 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 specific people. Yeah, it's a smart idea. It's a really really smart idea, but a content marketing promotion idea, not a direct funnel to buy idea. That's that's the that's the difference. That's what I loved about it because yeah. there's a lot of quotes in there from the the New York Times uh, director of audience, and that's what I love about that whole standpoint. And I I think if you get nothing as a brand, and we've how many engagements have you and I been in saying, look, you've got this really good piece of content and all your calls to action around it are demos. Like, oh, hey, call our sales rep. Seriously? It's like, don't even mention your product and service at this point. All you want to do is get them to subscribe ongoing to your content. Get them to opt into your content so you have permission to communicate with them. I don't know. So frustrated. (laughs) Now I'm frustrated. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Our last story of our show comes to us courtesy of MediaPost.com. Um, had to cover this one just because it's sort of a continuation of the thing we talked about last week, which was the ever, never-ending sort of launches of new content studios and agencies, et cetera. And here they are. The onslaught of agencies continue now um, with a merger, actually. A new powerhouse in content marketing and experience design Manifest. Um, from Media Post, the article starts out by saying Manifest Digital, a new digital experience design agency, and your old friends, uh, Joe McMurray TMG, omni channel content marketing specialists, are combining to form Manifest, which will be based in Chicago and New York with offices in Phoenix, St. Louis, Saratoga Springs, and Washington, D.C. That's Saratoga Springs. There's got to be like one guy down in Saratoga Springs, like, hi, I'm down here in Saratoga. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Now they have a Saratoga Spring, like all you know. It's like Phoenix, New York, Chicago, and Saratoga yeah. Springs. Dubuque, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's where. Yeah, that must be where like one one senior executive lives down there on a boat or something. Anyway, <laughs> terms were not disclosed of this merger, but 
apparently, it's going to be a new company with about 400 employees, the management team comprising executives from both McMurray TMG and Manifest Digital, um, combining to become an experience and content agency. What say you, Joe? Is uh, this is what do you think about this? Well, first of all, I think we have to do a disclaimer that McMurray TMG that has been a great supporter of ours for a long time. Obviously, they are they were our partner for years with the Content Marketing Awards, and, and McMurray yeah. TMG is the uh, the key agency sponsor for content marketing world. Now it sounds like that's going to be manifest uh, since they're taking over that. Let's name. hope so. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope I so. Think, I think, we may have just ruined that. <laughs> I think we're okay. On All that, right. Uh, standpoint. Good. So no, no, I just manifest because I told Keith Sedlak who runs business development for the new group. I said, Keith, what, you know, give me, give me something here. We're going to talk about it on the show. And, you know, Keith said, look, here's the play here. It's the whole idea of user experience, experiential design mixed with quality content. One cannot live without the other. And they've taken Manifest Digital, which is this real focus on UX, and McMurray TMG, one of the leaders for a long, long time on creation of quality content to build long-term relationships, and they brought this together. It sounds good. I mean, it sounds like yeah, there's a no, good story no, here. No, it's, um, what, I think there is a good story there. 175 content creators... And what I love about the quote in here from who's Anderson? Anderson is the new CEO. Who's? I'm sorry, uh, I want to get this right. Jamie Anderson as chief strategy officer. So chief strategy in officer. this article yeah. from Media Post, basically says you know the agency is built on the recognition that content, not delivery by itself, is the means to cultivating long term customer relationships. Just the fact that they said long term customer relationships, they're getting bonus points on this show. Yeah, because exactly. they're not, it's not about creating. There's no mention of content campaign anything. Right, in this. I love that. Of course, love that. We're uh, we like that. We like that. So good luck to them. Obviously, created yeah, one of the, the largest. Uh, not only I would like to see content agencies, hope, but but agencies of any kind. So. I hope one of their first blog posts is, "What is Manifest's destiny?" And if they don't do that, I'm going to be really sad. I think okay. that has. To, you know what? Let's put in a request. That, yes. that that my that request is be. that the first blog and we title want is the person in Saratoga Springs to write it to write it yes <laughs> manifest <laughs> destiny all right we have a lovely sponsor for for another week in a row I mean that that's happy news that's happy making right oh it's it's always happy when Joe and Robert get fed. That's exactly yeah, it. So we're, we're both good happy. Thing. This old marketing this week is sponsored by our and there was much rejoicing <laughs> yeah. by our good friends at Acrolinks. Acrolinks is a platform that helps the world's most recognized brands create more engaging, more readable, and more enjoyable content. We have a new report, which we both really like, called the Global Content Impact Index, which shares the results of a detailed analysis of the world's content. Now, let me tell you, Robert, this is what they did. They used a proprietary linguistic analytics engine, which I think was something like Acrolinks, I think is what they, I think they use their yeah. software I'm along with guess. some other I'm things. Gonna, hazard a wild guess there. And they reviewed 150,000 individual public facing web pages from 340 companies around the world. That represents 20 million sentences and over 160 million words. I hope that the guy in Saratoga didn't count those. <clears throat> That's, <laughs> let me know what he's doing. Now. Uh, the results were really surprising. And actually this is a really good piece of content. Please check it out. Go to bit. Just a wonderful piece of content. It is. Especially if you're dealing with global issues, right? Because it's just... This is one of those reports, though. If you don't... If if you're a smaller company and you're just selling uh, pet supplies in Northeast Ohio, let's say, (laughs) you probably don't need this. Swiffers. You probably don't need to read this. You could just skip right over this whole section. But if you have customers that... Uh, have you know you have translation localization exactly issues. this is really important for you um, so you're going to want to go to bit.ly slash acrolinks dash global dash index that's acrolinks that's a-c-r-o-l-i-n-x dash global dash index and you're going to want to download it or the easy way you could just go to thisoldmarketing.com and you can see it and there's a nice little picture of it there's a link to it and uh, super thankful can, to our friends at Acrolinks for uh, for supporting the show and doing it with 
very, very wholesome content at the same time. Clickety clack. Clickety clack on that sponsored link and don't you I look I do back. declare. <laughs> I do declare. All right, folks, it is time for your favorite segment of the show, which is, of course, our rants and raves section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, something that makes us say, oh, we feel like a bald eagle on the 4th of July. Or saying, no, I won't. I'll go out and hit some guests. Um, so let's see. I, uh, You're going first, I believe, because you have this old marketing this week. That is correct, sir. Um, so this is, I don't know if this is a rant or a rave. I call, you know, I think before the show I called it a Joeism. So this is the, this is it. In the pouch with so, Joe. <clears throat> so the, uh, the box office uh, rankings came out uh, this, like they do every week. But I right. saw it this week. And, uh, <laughs> and I just thought it was, it's like, guess what year you're in? Jurassic World and Terminator are chopping the charts. Right, like, exactly. Are you kidding me? But I'm, I'm looking at the top five. So here's the top five for the week. <clears throat> Jurassic World, number one. Inside yep. Out, number two. We're actually going to talk about that in, in the uh, about Disney Pixar and uh, this whole marketing. Right. Terminator, number three. Magic Mike, number two. Number four. Ted, number two. Number five. It, out of those, is there anything that, that kind of hits at you right away about those five types of movies? I'm just asking. It's not rhetorical. I'm actually asking you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually. Well, they all have products associated with them. I'm going to say that, or or they're all sequels. They're all sequels. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they're all series. They're all ongoing series. Yeah. Obviously, Jurassic World, many parts. This is the fourth one. Terminator. What of is course. it? Number three or four? Seventy three. Something, something like that. Think, yeah, like two. Right. Ted two. There'll be a Ted three. Ted seven. Ted ten. You can get. You right. can put it in the bank right now. Right. And it. When I was reading this. I thought immediately of the Honda stage thing. And I feel bad <laughs> yeah. because I talk yeah. about Honda stage a lot because I want, but only because I want them to do well. I really do. Uh, and the whole thing between Honda stage and guitar center and the idea that this, this idea of a series really, really does work. And, and obviously the film and in, Hollywood film industry has understood this. Now, maybe you might argue to a detriment because we don't see a lot of the independent originals that are coming up but the uh, the power in a platform series platform is very very hard to beat and i think what we're seeing that is right now we're seeing this in hollywood and i would like to see more of that being done instead of even when you know you know you and i were talking about some of the content marketing project of the years and even with some of that you see glimpses of it, right? You'll see, sure. you'll see yeah. like six six episodes once a week, uh, and then you'll go on a three month hiatus, and then right. you'll do it again, and then but then they'll switch the series up and they'll have a little different take to it that's not the same, it, and it just kills me. So I just think if more brands would start acting this way and look at, hey, let's create a platform built on a theme, a series ongoing. Uh, that we can, you know, become these this leading informational source or entertainment source in some way, then you really have something that you can monetize long term. And of course, that's happening in Hollywood and not happening quite as much on the on the brand side. So that was my take. Do you agree with yeah, that? No, it's I absolutely do. I mean, I I think I've mentioned it on this show before, where I've gone into so many big brands, and we start looking, you know, not in any sort of granular audit kind of way but just like you know what have you done right what have you what have you done recently and they're like and they're excited right they say oh look at this video we created this awesome video it's a it's this content that we created the guy down in uh you know brand thought this up and we put a little budget together and we went out and shot it and it's on this youtube and it got a bunch of views and it's this wonderful idea that could be a series and it's like well great what happened well, we just did the one, you know, because we we just wanted to see what that was like, and we did the one. It's like, well, why didn't you do a second one? Well, you know, marketing got in the way, and we had to close the quarter and the budget. It's like, oh, great. So now you've created this one awesome thing that sits out there, and it just sits out there. It just doesn't – you're not building on anything. And then, you know, and it's amazing how many of those things are out there in the typical brand world, right? If you go to a big enterprise – 
there's 42 things like that. There's the one landing page that was going to be an online learning platform. And then there's the wonderful video that's awesome. And then there's this training thing that was done. And then this awesome how-to video where they created two of them. And there's all these sort of little projects that are sort of strewn about the business, but nothing is ever sort of committed to, to build sort of like a product in an ongoing fashion to sort of build toward this idea of a series down looking out toward a horizon. It's, it's, it's it's really sad, you know, and you and you go, how much effort did it take those 42 things versus how much effort would it have taken to take the one thing and do it 42 times? I'm so with you. You know what? You want to know something? Here's a little statistic what? for you. Our first episode, PNR number one, did you know we covered the Forbes sale? Did you know that? Sure. Yeah, we covered absolutely. LinkedIn showcase pages and Minecraft. We have 3,536 downloads of that one episode. And yeah. of course, everybody knows we just celebrated our three hundred thousand plus download, which is which is really nice. But I think that's awesome. but that's the difference. That's the difference right there. Most stop, stop at episode one, right? We just we were just stupid enough to continue it. <laughs> well, that's because we like hearing ourselves talk. <laughs> do you have a rant or rave this week, sir? I do. I don't know whether you'd call this a rant or a rave. It's more, I guess, it's it, like you. It's kind of a thought. It's kind of a. Uh, this is in the pouch part two with with Berto, um, and uh, uh, I, it's a. I, it's just this thing that it got me thinking. It was a. So it was an article, and I want to be very clear. As I, it, it may sound like I'm ranting. I am not ranting on this article. The article is fine. It is perfectly adequate. It's a wonderful article written in Forbes. Um, and it talks about the idea of customer experience. And it got my juices flowing, as it were, because I saw it in my inbox. And it said something like the, 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 the power of customer experience. And I was like, oh, Bob, as for the obvious reason, yeah. I'm interested in that. Click through. And it's this article that basically talks about how customers have bad experiences when it comes to brands. And he wants to talk about literally the future of business here. And he goes on to talk about how customer service, the idea of customer service, is distributed across various industries. And there's a cool graph in there that talks about the worst customer service industries. And as you might expect, government, telecommunications, healthcare, utilities, insurance, airlines, and then retail sort of in rank order are the worst service-oriented industries. And so the article goes on to talk exclusively about customer service. And I I think it was a couple of episodes ago I talked about this where I was uh, talking about an article I'd read which had this wonderful quote, and I couldn't find it, interestingly enough. I couldn't find it when I was researching this, which is – and so I'm going to be paraphrasing here when I say customer service is the thing that we have to do when experience doesn't do its job. And that's something I really want us to start focusing on because – as I'm starting to see this evolution of customer experience becoming more and more prominent, which I'm thankful for, but trust me, for the obvious reason, again, I'm super thankful that experiences are taking a more prominent role and that I have a book out that actually talks about this stuff. But as marketers, as we start to take over, merge into, have responsibility for whatever the thing is for the, oh, and you'll love this, for the entirety of the customer journey. <laughs> and entirety. We've got we've to really make sure that what we're not doing is simply building a faster customer service response. And what I mean by that is, and, and Jay Bear talks about this a lot when he talks about the hug your haters idea, which he's really good at and really talking through in a really thoughtful way where he talks about leaving no complaint unturned, seeking out your haters so you can turn that into opportunity, into an advantage. So, but this is not what I'm talking about. So what I want to make sure that we remain passionate about is as we become more responsible for more than just the top of the funnel is that we don't make the same mistake and simply hand off a customer service issue regarding our content to another group. And if we start creating these experiences that themselves can create bad karma, then all we've done is to sort of paste on another customer service responsibility further down the chain. So I mean, give you an example of that. Like if we create this app or we create a blog or a print magazine, right? We elevate the content to a print magazine or whatever it is, and we get big enough like Red Bull or Kraft to put it on the newsstand where we make people pay for it. We've done an awesome job. But if we start blowing that, if we start blowing the service or delivery of that, we're going to start seeing complaints. We're going to start seeing haters. 
you know, or if we're a B2B and we create this awesome point of view, we're going to start to see people who disagree with that point of view and could start to be trolls or generate comments or whatever it is. We have to deal with that like we would in a customer service organization. And it's not account services. It's not client services. It's not customer services that's going to have to deal with that. It's us. And so as we start to think about creating these awesome experiences, we need to think about how it's going to work both as an experience itself and in servicing the needs of the com- the customers that will ex- have that experience in a listening capacity. So not just waiting to see what happened in customer service down on the sales floor or down when they use the product, but also we need to be paying attention to what's going on from a customer service standpoint as it relates to the experiences we're creating. And so, I mean, I started this quote by saying like customer service is what happens when customer experiences don't do their job. But maybe the better way to actually say that is that service is now part of all customer experiences. And if we do it right as marketers, as we business communicators, if we do it right, we're not only creating the opportunities from haters, the otherwise only at the customer stage, but we can look at all stages of the journey to see those opportunities. So that's not really a rant, I know, but hopefully it's a little helpful as we start moving forward with this. Well, you you advocate putting customer service under marketing, don't you? Or no? I do. Do you do? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I do. I mean, but you know, but look, I'm a marketing guy. I mean, it seems like I've spent the last three weeks apologizing for being a marketing guy to various constituencies who yelling at me on social media. But yes, I I unapologetically, as a marketing guy, believe that most of the business is differentiated in the marketing department these days. I didn't know this. Do you have to, do you need to get this off your chest or something? I don't, I don't, because I'll just sound like I'm whining. It'll sound like I'm whining. It probably will sound like you're whining, but it'll make for good, uh, good podcast. (laughs) People are yelling at me, Joe. I don't like what I'm saying. Sometimes people disagree with me and it takes me, it makes up. Makes me sad. <laughs> I lost my shoes and my glasses, and I'm very upset. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do. Oh, hey, I have this old marketing. Let's you do, do that. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Oh, so this is what. So I'm doing my. You know, this all of these things run together. So I was, I was at that doing that article for the sequels. I start going into Pixar, Disney, and I came across this awesome article that reminded me of another conversation. So long story short, here it is. Yeah. So. This is an article from the Wall Street Journal called Disney's Cars 2, a hit already in stores. This is a few years older. But what I think is amazing is it really makes the case that a good portion of Walt Disney is, I mean, you could basically say they they could be the world's greatest content marketer. They could be. So the whole idea of this is talking about how much they've spent on Cars 2 for the release of Cars 2 and the money behind it. So... They've doubled, they say they took their budget. So this is, go back to Cars 2 a few years ago. They took their budget and they raised it. They they doubled their production budget of films like Cars 2 because the whole idea was they don't really, now this is, I'm basically putting words in their mouths, but this, this is what I'm reading into it. They don't really care what they make off the movie. They don't really care what they make by people buying tickets to it. All they care about is the merchandising. So basically what the let me see if I can get the stat here. So since 2007 I'm just just let's just talk about the Cars franchise. Since right. 2006, just Cars. So they spent 150 million or something on Cars, the original Cars. Since 2006, 2 billion averaged 2 billion dollars a year in merchandising. Right. That's Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Now you can you can make a case and say hey Cars Two was not very good or whatever it doesn't matter that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about they've cre- they've created such amazing content and they've spread and this is what Doug Kessler at Velocity Partners talks about revenue ripples the additional opportunities that come from amazing content creation that maybe or maybe maybe not you did not know about now look at let's look at what Disney's doing with uh, with Star Wars Star Wars has everything to do with a merchandising deal. They're, I mean, they're gonna. I'm sure they're gonna make money off of what is it, December fifteenth, when the new Star Wars comes out. I'm sure they're gonna make a ton of money off it, but not nearly. It's not even gonna be close to what they're gonna make in merchandising, and it is not. And you're only talking about nine percent on average royalties. 
So the point that I'm talking about that I want to make here and we're talking about with this whole marketing is Disney does this all the time now. They look for, of course, now you've got Marvel, you've got Star Wars, you've got Pixar. I'm certain that uh, – what's their new movie? Inside Out? Is it – that's right. Inside I out. just saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I just How saw was it. it. Was it good? It was it was, it good. was good. I didn't it's not my favorite. It's not my fa- up is my favorite. So I'm I'm under the assumption that that there's going to be little emotional plush dolls and other things they're going to sell probably sell oh, a billion yeah. dollars worth oh, of stuff. Oh my god. The, just all you need to think is Bing Bong is all. Okay, I haven't seen it. I'm, I'll see it at some point. Um It will it will tear your heart out. Bing Bong will. But the the point is is that I think that we're always um we're, we always say, hey, we need to make revenue directly off of this content in some way. And I think that if we can just take a little bit of a more strategic look at it, we will see that there are much bigger opportunities. And like, so I'll give you a real world example of this. So, you know, we talk about our friend Marcus Sheridan all the time with river yep. pools and spas and how they're really in trouble. They built the world's greatest resource for fiberglass pools, brought themselves out of trouble, and now they've you know, totally turned the business around, sold more, more fiberglass pools than anyone in the United States, and things are great. Now Marcus is traveling all over the world doing his speeches, and he's doing a fantastic job. The revenue ripples for that is now they're in the manufacturing business because they had so much demand outside of their service area that, hey, what are we going to do? Well, there's a new revenue opportunity here. And I think that's the only thing that's very hard for large enterprises to get around. Because, and you know, exactly. right? They've got, hey, yep. this is our, these are our products. Here's our product budget. Product marketing is going to fund it. Here's what PR is doing. Here's what communication is doing. Here's where small businesses, all you small business owners and entrepreneurs, here's where you have an advantage because you have patience and less you move quick and you have move quick and you have less red tape and you keep yep. your eyes open. And you can see new revenue opportunities come from building a platform. Not that large enterprises can't do it. I mean, obviously, Disney's done it. And now their whole model, now their whole model is based off of this. When it was in the past, when Mr. Disney was around, I mean, he was, I mean, of course, really into merchandising, but it still was critical. We wanted to make money off the show. Now, well, let's, yeah, now it's yeah. completely changed. So, yeah, I mean, well, let's be clear too. So, I mean, what you when you brought it up, it actually reminded me of a couple of articles I've seen in the past um, that talk about, you know, and I pulled up one here from the Atlantic um, that's called uh, Pixar's Sad Decline, and it actually it's from a couple of years ago actually, and it uses Cars too um, as sort of the you know the the, the poster child here to say. You know, Cars 2 is the only one of Pixar's movies that fell below the 50% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's way below. It's 40%, right? So everything else is up around the 80, 90, 100% okay. of, of approval. on. But here's the thing. Cars 2 cost $200 million to make, and it made worldwide box office $600 million. And so – it was not a great performing box office hit, not certainly like the first Cars and not certainly like some of the other, um, the other franchises. But here's the thing. Even if you only assume or if you assume they put 100% of the production budget into marketing, so let's assume that it cost four or $500 million all in for marketing plus production, they still broke even. They've still made billions on the merchandising, so it becomes a marketing piece. It becomes, it is the cost of sale of the merchandising. It becomes, a, it becomes, it, it's, it's exactly that. That's the way that we're that we can think now. Well, and and actually, the article talks about that because they said sometimes, like with an up, not a lot of merchandising opportunities with up, but obviously with Toy Story. With cars, oh, sure. with Monsters Inc., lots of opportunities exactly. for merchandising. So I think you've got to, and that's where you look at your content strategy. You got to figure it exactly figure out right. what works and what doesn't, and what. But I just thought it was. I just think it's fascinating, and I think that's where. I mean, if I'm going to look into the future with five to ten years, I look at the people that are really doing like Marriott. I talk about this all the time. I don't think Mary in the future Marriott's main business is going to be me going and getting a room at a Marriott or a Fairfield. I think it's going to be something else. I don't know what it is. But if they really do, uh, they they build on that promise to say we are going to be the leading media company in the industry, that's going to open up all kinds of opportunities. And it's just going to be interesting to see that. A lot of companies aren't willing to make that kind of patient risk. So. Yep. There we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And it's a great example. Wonderful, wonderful example. All right. Where um so what's the what's this week? 
It's uh, it's our last week. It's really, our last week. We have uh, we have company retreat. Not last week of the show. No, no, not last don't week get, of the don't show. Don't get worried. But. <laughs> hey, we have eighty sixth uh, show. Is that yeah, the oh, and oh episode eighty no, six? That would be the uh, no. Sad we we have our theory. we have our company retreat. So I will see you next week. I think that yes, you we're going to be recording another PNR a little bit earlier than normal. So that that's we can, right. So that we don't do it drunk from uh, the, our place, our locale. We'll release it at the same time. Don't worry about it. Yep. But it will be as as awesome as we can ever hope to make it i guess is the best way to put it <laughs> but you right. have some travel this week correct i do a very short trip i have very one day trip to san francisco to go visit some uh a friend company that i'm on the advisory board for so uh, yeah just an up and back just to have a quick meeting and and it's really like a long commute is all it is so it's just up and Fantastic. back no i'm, I'm looking but yeah looking forward to the I'm trip looking, sure. I'm, and i'm looking forward to getting together with the team i just and i Absolutely. wrote a post about it today how important it is to get together with your with your content team and it's just some of the thinking that's coming out, even in advance of the meeting, is, is pretty exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks. Well, that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, thank you so much again for the hashtags, this old marketing, um, and the story ideas. We do use them, so keep them coming. Thank you so much for them. We really, truly appreciate it. And if you've got a question or you want to comment or you want to just send a great show idea through that old antique kind of email thing, this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 86, which is not being 86, um, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. And all the links that we talk about will be in the show notes within the podcast itself and, of course, available on our show notes post, which appears on Saturday at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. We'll tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.